But once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. I will be your father. You love Valenti. Like, remember you were swaggerjacking some of his, his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WXUTs after further review. After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. We're back at it here on 88.3 WXUT's After Further Review. Man, sometimes technology just takes you there a little bit of a difficulty and then waiting for stuff to, to pod up and stuff the internet going a little slow uh but we're back at it here on 88.3 wgt's after further review we talk a little bit about the nba playoffs and uh david your thoughts a great 50 piece from steph curry against the kings but now we are into the second round what round what uh series you want to go with first we'll start with what we tease at uh, during the opening kind of boston philadelphia uh, yeah, it it seems like Boston is Philadelphia's kryptonite in a variety of ways, and that's not in, not not even thinking about just the impact that Joel Embiid, the MVP. Although I still think it's Jokic, but well, no, 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 on. no. It, it, it's Embiid. Embiid had a really great year this year. He 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 got the the, the MVP. I mean, I understand you you, you on this show. You've always kind of gone in the other direction i don't know if it's just for the 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 hot takes or the fodder to have on the show but nb won it i think it was a slight edge to him especially with certain you know but go ahead yeah both of them had great seasons i'm not saying that joel Embiid had a crap season they just kind of gave him the mvp because it's like well we can't give it to jokic for a third year in the world i just think just kind of both in terms of team seeding and just the numbers, just kind of Jokic has a bigger imprint in terms of contribution just because he's you know, rebounding and assisting, whereas Joe is primarily a scorer. He does do the rebounding, but in terms of facilitating that aspect, that's left to other players. That's you know, but yeah, if you win the scoring title, that does give you that edge up, even over you know averaging a triple double, which is still. Unheard of, but yeah. No, it, it, it does, David. Let's be honest with you. The triple doubles kind of somewhat gotten watered down, especially Russell Westbrook doing it um, for a few seasons. I, I, I be honest with you, David. It is the MVP award can be subjective, but I, I really think this year MB really upped his game, and he was a really big impact for the the Seventy Sixers. Uh, and Jokic is a great player as well, won it two years in a row. But I think this year, I think Embiid just got the slight edge over him, um, especially w- with winning the scoring title. As I said before, it, this was probably a, a really close race. Yo- Jokic could, you know, there's a great argument that Jokic could get the MVP again for a third straight year. Um, but at the same time, though, 
I think this year Embiid, I think, just got a little bit of slight edge. Maybe 1A and 1B. Maybe it could have been co-MVPs, but I doubt that was going to ever happen. But I thought it was Embiid this year. We can keep going. Like I said, it's subjective. Yeah. And and we saw kind of we're seeing the impact that Joel Embiid has in both on the court and when he's absent. Because when he's not there, this team is like I love James Harden, but him being your number one option when there's when it seems like the kind of the role players, those other like key pieces that are crucial when it comes time to May and June. When it's got to be just James Harden, it turns into Houston 2.0. Like, Boston just has too much firepower to deal with or for Philadelphia to handle both offensively and just a stifling defensive effort, if I'm going to be honest. Like, I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are still kind of when they're on their game, it's hard to name a duo that can dominate you in the same way. From those positions, like obviously thinking about, you know, when Steph and Clay are hot, there's, you know, that dynamic duo all-time great. You know, you have LeBron and AD when AD decides, you know, not to get hurt. Um, and has, you know, one of those games that we'll get to the West in a little bit. But, yeah, like I just think Boston just has too much for Philadelphia. And if this goes six, I may be surprised. I just think Boston, Boston has the edge, and I think – if Tatum and Jalen Brown and then Derek White, who a lot of people, um, I don't want to say wrote off, but just kind of overlooked his importance in terms of being a piece, both offensively and defensively. And then obviously Marcus Smart, we know about his great defensive efforts. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to see how Philadelphia can win um, – three games outside of like a wor- otherworldly performance from Joel Embiid, which is what it's going to take, or a 50-60 point performance by James Harden that no one sees coming. Well, I, I think what it what it boils down to is this, is that this is one of those series where you're going to have to do what you did in game one. And I know in, 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 and it might be a tough decision. It might be tough. But I think that you're probably going to have to maybe facilitate and go through Harden. And in this one series, use Embiid as your second option. Obviously, game one, Harden went for 45 points. They ended up getting the victory. Now, some people think that's shocking. I, I don't think so. I think what it is is that Harden tries too much. To be a, a, he has to be the main guy. When he thinks overthinks too much and wants to facilitate and get everybody open and set up the table, that's where he plays bad. I think he has to be more of a playmaker, which means go get yours, and then once they collapse on you, then set the table up for everybody else instead of setting the table up for your, everyone else and then trying to get yours. It just doesn't work for for him. And I think that's maybe one of the adjustments the 76ers are going to have to do here. But now the problem is the egos. You know, Embiid is the MVP. We need to get through, go through Embiid. He's the leading scorer in the league. I mean, he's gotten us to a great record and everything, you know, 54 and 28. Um, 
that's what it's going to probably. But this is one of those series where it's like we've mentioned on the show before. It's about matchups. This is probably one of a more of a matchup where you're going to have to go with smaller basketball. You're going to have to because Boston is going with small basketball. They don't really have a dominant post player. They don't. And I mean, you would think that Embiid would dominate with that, which he has. I mean, he did get 30 and 13 last night. But at the end of the day, though, I think with the psyche of the team, you know, Harden going 2 of 14, went 0 for 6 from 3. He did hit 8 of 10 free throws. But I think with Harden, Harden has to be a guy that has to be engaged and I think when the ball is in his hands and and it's an unfortunate thing with Harden but you know then on the next series we could probably go back to Embiid and everything like that but in this series you might have to go to the more ball dominant James Harden where he's being the maestro and he's making plays for himself to set up other guys I think that's going to have to be the adjustment because right now him just being the point and then we're going through Embiid obviously um you know, th- that's what you got to go through. That That's just my, right. my thoughts. I mean, especially in that no, blowout. It, it, you, you're going to have to probably have to go through Harden in this series. For yeah, him to stay engaged. Probably. For him to stay engaged. Well, yeah, and I think kind of, kind of the, the, other, the double edge of that is because, and, you know, for what the media is worth, the media is always kind of constantly saying, you know, James has to be more facilitator, be more for facilitator. So it's probably in his head, like, oh, I have to think, you know, I can't be that dominant or else, you know, the media is going to get on my rear end about this over and over again. Whereas old James Harden would have like, you know, bleep it. You know, let's go kind of game one mode. But I think kind of combination of years of James Harden being a ball hog, you need to be more of a passer, you need to get more of your teammates involved. I'm wondering if that's kind of, crept into the back of his mind to where now he's, you know, adding that as an aspect of his game. Like, it's helpful, and it's good to be kind of a facilitator. But, yeah, like you said, like, now we need you to be, you know, throwback James Harden and kind of keep the defense kind of focused on you so that Joel Embiid can both get the rebounds, get the second-chance opportunities, and kind of be dominant in the post. Actually, I had wrong yeah, so, stats yeah. here. I It's come yeah, it's you got to get the stats right. Actually, he was 8 of 9 from free throws on Friday night, 2 of 7 from three-point land, 3 of 14 overall from the field, you know, 41 minutes, um, 16 points. The Boston gonna, is going to be tough. It, I mean, they got some they got some scores. I mean, think about it. 27 from Jason Tatum, and he was really hitting some shots in that fourth quarter. You get 17 from Al Horford. You know, normally he might be getting between 9 and 12, 17 good points from him. Obviously, Marcus Smart getting 15 points and plus his defense. Then you get 13 from White and then 23 from Jalen Brown. I mean, that five alone, getting buckets like that, it's going to be really tough for the 76ers. Now, their bench doesn't really get much. You know, Brogdon comes in with 15 points and Williams with four, which is really their, their center. They only go eight deep. Whereas Philadelphia goes a solid 10. Um, you know, Melton gets you 14 points off the bench. But then again, though, Tobias Harris has to step up as well. Tobias Harris has to get at least 15 points. You can't have seven. Um, I mean, you could talk about James Harden all you want to, but let's just be honest. 16 and 11 is solid stats. Now, yeah, he might have been 3 of 14 from the field, but he made up for it by getting to the line. 
Um, and Maxi had 13, which isn't bad. Like I said, I think in this series, everybody's got to give something. Everybody. And and I think that's what kind of is, is going to have to be. And, and Joel and me talked about it. And, you know, he's, he said that players have to step up, which they do. Guys have to step up. And, you know, if they don't and they don't execute, you know, even though you might be a lesser role player, you know, obviously you're not going to get as much heat as James Harden. But at the same time, though, I think, though, if Doc Rivers were to make an adjustment, it might be the and hey, you know, Joel, you know, you got the MVP award. I know that and we celebrated it here in Philadelphia. But for this matchup here, maybe we're going we, we to work more of the offense through um, you and see how and see how it goes because really you don't have many answers i mean like let's see you, you your game one win like i said tobias harris at 18 points now pj tucker didn't really score p reed had 10 um tyrese tyrese maxi had 26 harden had 45 obviously now and remember mb didn't play um you know melton had 17 you know now obviously let's be honest even though harden had 45 points you know, that could have easily been 30 from Embiid and 15 from him. So that that kind of just draws out. But I think in this series, I think they need to do more of running the offense through um, Harden. And I think that Harris and, and, and Tucker have to kind of somewhat step up more. Yeah, I would agree with that, definitely. And particularly because Tobias Harris got that – you know, got that bag. Yeah, you can't. You you have to be a solid, and kind of that's really been for a lot of the season. Kind of who is going to be that third option? Is it going to be Maxi, who's kind of more like well, he's young, but he's kind of coming into his own? Is it going to be Tobias, who's supposed to be that kind of other piece? We know PJ Tucker wasn't you know going to give you anything. He's supposed to be you know veteran defender, like that's his role. So yeah, kind of who's going to be that third? option. Boston has a plethora of options. Like you said, uh, it could be um, Derek White. It could be Grant Williams who has a kind of monster game, but he's known mostly for his defensive efforts again. Yeah, it's just a lot of options. Yeah, Philadelphia is going to definitely need some adjusting in-game. Yeah, in-game four or else this this one could be over quickly. Yeah, and and like I said, it's you know, you're looking at the numbers and you're saying, well, in game two when they got blasted, you know, Harris had 16, Embiid had 15, uh, Maxie had 13, Harden 12, uh, and then Tucker had five. But I, I, like I said, I think for the mental aspect of, uh, of, of James Harden, I think you got to let it know, like, hey, we're going to go through you. I, I think that's where the the, the problem is because some players they get like that they like say okay we need you to be the point guard and some guys you know I tell people like that you got point guards that set it up for players you know the Chris Pauls Magic Johnsons you're just setting up you're getting guys in the right spot you're getting the ball in the in their hands where they want to be comfortable to score and I don't think James Harden is that type of point guard I think he's more of a playmaking point guard which is I'm going to create for myself. And then whatever the defense gives me, if they don't stop me, well, you know, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna keep scoring. I mean, that's what they're gonna do. 
which is which is which is it's kind of crazy to, to think about it but that is true it, it, it's that that's what they're trying to do um and i think personally um that's what they need to do i think they need to go through hard and let him get that rhythm let him get that flow and then get a 10 beat now will that happen probably not i mean like i said in beat notes he's the mvp we're gonna run everything through us we've been doing this all season and i think Going through Embiid, it does kind of, it seemed like to me from the games I've watched from game one to the last two games here, it, it does seem like guys don't know what to do. Kind of more standing around, less engagement, and we know what Embiid's going to do. Um, so that that's a thought, but do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. I mean, they got to do something, though, because if they get down 3-1, I think the series is pretty much over. Yeah, the, the, yeah. I don't think that they can get three out of four. Not no. not the way Boston's playing. Nope. No. Next series. Uh, let's say in the East, Knicks and Heat, uh, definitely making us feel like '90s vibes. I'm just waiting for a brawl to happen. Honestly, um, I don't know whether between the fans or the players, but by the way, they yeah, play. Um, they do play uh, today and later on today. Actually, at, uh, at three thirty on on the the Disney ABC. Uh, this series here, really, the <laughs> to be quite honest with you, the Heat should be up two zero. Um, I think you start to realize that um, in the playoffs, you need the superstar. Let's just let's just be honest. You need the superstar. Um, if you don't get the superstar, guess what? You're not gonna win, and at late late in the game, the, the Heat just couldn't get a basket. Even when Jimmy Butler got hurt toward the end of Game One, they just don't have that superstar power to get those baskets. And uh, they better hope Jimmy Butler comes back quickly in this game. Hopefully, with the long rest, you can rest up that ankle. Um, with Jimmy Butler in this, there's a good op- good good opportunity for Miami to get to the, the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, like Miami is that dark horse team just because, yeah. Like when Jimmy is on and if he can turn into um, Jimmy Butler against Milwaukee. Well, I don't think it's whether or not he turns into it. He does. He he just is a competitor yeah. like that, and he steps up in the playoffs, and he's just injured right now. But I do think if he played in game two, that game goes to the Heat. The, the, the Heat in the last two minutes just nobody could score. I mean, obviously the defense got ramped up. The game was close. And they just couldn't get that guy to make those tough baskets. That's what usually separates the star, superstars from the stars. You can make tough baskets. Jason Tatum did it on on Saturday, on Friday night last night. I mean, he was just hitting, you know, Tobias Harris was all over him, trying, putting a hand in his face and everything. And the dude was just hitting the turnaround jump shots. Or he's getting that one little jab, little shimmy jab, step back, three, hitting it. And that's what, what happened with the Heat. They didn't have that guy to do that. And, the Knicks got one. Now, some people could say, well, in the first game, Randall wasn't there. But at the end of the day, I think the Heat still, I, I think this is a very good matchup for them. Yeah, and the Heat are, I think, top to bottom, even though Miami's really live and die by the three and kind of their perimeter shooting. Like if Strews isn't on, you know, if he's cold, he gets cold. Uh, like you can go through Bam, but is he really – like you said, your first option, kind of knowing that you know Jimmy is kind of the focal point of that offense. Um, 
But, yeah, I just don't know what to expect from either team. Like, I'm fully – like, I can fully see Miami going, you know, 8 of 10 from 3 in the first quarter versus I could see Jalen Brunson going off for, like, 35. Just, you know, or R.J. Barrett having a 20-20 game. Like, there's just so much unpredictability between these two teams because they are relatively even that, I w- one, I wouldn't be surprised if this goes 7. Um, and two, yeah, if Jimmy Butler does end up missing today, I think that might give New York the edge. But well, then again, with the, with the Knicks, it's like, like they have this advantage. Are they going to capitalize or will now their players get into, you know, will they go cold? And then Miami just does enough to where. Like, honestly, I could see today being, like, a 96-93 kind of basketball game. Like, like I just have that feeling where it's going to be low scoring. It's going to, yeah, it's going to be reminiscent of those 90s. Um, but, yeah, like you said, like, who are, who are the superstars that are going to show up? Last round for the Knicks, you know, um, uh, Jalen Brunson played out of his mind along with R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle, obviously with Jimmy Butler, like we know. So who who is going to be that alpha dog and have that alpha dog mentality for both teams? Ooh, I think you're you're kind of overthinking this a little bit. It's it's about Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler plays the Heat win the series, period. That's all that, that, that matters. It's not all about this, who's the alpha dog and who's this and that. It comes down to simple basketball. Jimmy Butler plays the Heat win. That, that's all they needed. They had a lead in the game, too, and they let it slip away because they just couldn't hit crucial shots in the fourth quarter when the defense was up. And and if if Jimmy Butler's in the game, I'm sure he hits those shots and they have a 2-0 lead on him. That's it. If Jimmy Butler's out, he don't have a chance. Pretty simple, David. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, sometimes it's, you know, keep it simple. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, Jimmy Butler is the best player in this series, like, mm-hmm. hands down. Mm-hmm. But... So, I mean, yeah. Next series, going out west. As around west, we'll, we'll go with Denver and Phoenix because Phoenix decide, like, hey, let's actually show up and play basketball. Let's make, let's make this a series. Uh, but, yeah, this, this is another mm. tough team that when they're, when they're off, it, it's visible night and day. Kind of When it's going in, it, make, it makes – like Phoenix offense looks so much better. Granted, like obviously, um, when they're scoring, but it just seems like the confidence was there. Like knowing that, also knowing that if they lost this, they were not coming back from three zero. Um, yeah, this is more or less a more like a desperation game for for the Suns. I don't think they're going to win this series. I think I think the Nuggets just have to them. And now Chris Paul was out with a groin injury. This is another situation where it just goes bananas. I think you know you start to think about it. You know you can still if if, if like I said these are great players, but sometimes you got to understand that you know you might have to change things up to, to get to get the win in each series. And I think what was happening is sometimes pride gets involved. Once again, engagement. Devin Booker knew, okay, I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be the top guy right now. I gotta go out here and produce. He does go out and produce. Now, can the Suns keep this up? Probably not. But if Chris Paul comes back, 
yeah, normally we run the offense through Chris Paul. He's setting everybody up. But I think sometimes you might have to tell Chris Ball, too. Like, look, Chris, you know, you're just going to be out there. Maybe you try to go get your points. We're going to let we're going to facilitate or run the offense more through Booker with the ball in his hands. That's probably what's going to happen. Yeah, and I can see that kind of being the key in terms of kind of moving forward, just letting Devin Booker be that. And also, yeah, Chris Paul, just, you have to plan and anticipate that he might get hurt. So, like, what is your plan B? Well, that was their plan B. Now, now can Booker get 47 and Durant 39? I mean, think about it. The other three starters <laughs> combined still had less points than Durant and Booker. That's bad. Yeah, like yeah, it, like all these series are basically like role players need to step up. Role players need to kind of help out those stars who can be that third scoring option. Because you know Kevin Durant's going to get his, you know Booker's going to get his, but offensively they need help. It can't just be a two man game like two versus five offensively. Yeah. The other starters, the other pieces on the bench have to kind of get the ball in the basket. Yeah, Caldwell Pope had a pretty pretty bad game. Because you think about it, Jokic had 30, Murray had 32, Michael Porter Jr. with the dunk over Durant, and he had 21. Aaron Gordon had nine. But everyone combined, the other three starters for Phoenix and the bench combined still had four points less than Durant. They had 35 points combined. Well, Durant had 39. Now book at 47. Um, but as I said before, once again, this might be like the James Harden situation where we're going to just have the ball in books hands. Now, can Chris Paul be able to play within that? I don't know, but it's kind of interesting in the, the, those two series that the two well, one, the MVP, and one who's still an NBA Hall of Famer and still got some game were injured, and it just looked like there was a better flow for the, for for the that team and for them to get a win. So they might have to. They that's something that they they might have to look look at 76ers and the Suns, where it's like, look, we know this is what we normally do, but if we want to win this playoff series, we might have to make that adjustment. Yeah, and I think kind of I think having that desperation game where they just kind of went all in and had that performance, I think that will give them a little bit of life and a little bit of spark. So yeah, hopefully in game four that they can continue that momentum. Otherwise, if they have any kind of slip up, like the slightest bit and Denver takes the advantage, yeah, this this series is over. Because yeah, like you said, Denver Denver just has too yeah, too much for Phoenix to be able to have to only get two scoring options. Yeah, it's over. Like, I think Denver, I think this goes six. Denver wins in six. Phoenix probably gets another lucky game, but the, the Suns just don't have enough. They just don't. They don't, and the, and Denver does. Denver just has a couple more pieces, especially with Michael Porter Jr. Caldwell Pope can get high, and you got Aaron Gordon as well. If, if those guys all play a well-rounded game, plus – Murray and Jokic get another 32 and 30 points, respectively. The Suns ain't winning. And let's be honest, Devin Booker probably not going to go for 47 again. He can try and be close, but I don't see that happening. No. 
Yeah, because I, I don't, yeah, and it's not really, I don't see it in his game to want to be a volume shooter where he's getting, you know, putting a 40-plus on 25-plus shots. Like, mm-hmm. I see him as more of efficient. Like, Kevin Durant, maybe. He might do the volume. Um, but, yeah, yeah, this series is not close, as close as a lot of people thought it might be. But, but yeah, losing Chris Paul... Yeah, it kind of changes the dynamic. Yeah, that's another simple sure. series. Next one, Lakers and the Warriors. Yeah, after Steph Curry goes off for 50 to close out the Kings, uh, it's been a fun series. We kind of had a tale of first game. Anthony Davis is like, hey, remember me? I was number one overall pick. I have these one of these games every, you know, every blue moon. You know, just to let you guys know that I can play this game. And then game two, um, yeah, the Warriors are like, yeah, please. Have so, yeah. Well, if, I mean, but this is this is the problem with AD's career has been the inconsistency. Everybody knows how great he can be, but can he do it on a consistent basis? And the answer is no. no. You don't know what AD is going to He's either in, he's inconsistently healthy. He's inconsistently, you know, productive on the court i've seen him score 59 points in person as i mentioned before on this show against detroit back in 2016 i believe so the guy's got the talent but you're going to get the up and down this from him um and you know that showed in games between games one and game two and in the in the warriors still almost could have won game one this will be a really good interesting series i think um you know it's a great storyline lebron steph the drive for five for both of them um, I mean, like I said, I love it. Um, but I think the one thing the Lakers are going to have to understand is, is that this is another one where, even though LeBron's on the team, the only way the Lakers are going to win, as you mentioned before, is that AD has to have monster games. LeBron's just not that player anymore. He's lost a little bit of a step. He's still a competitive player. But if you're looking for LeBron from 07 against the Pistons when he went for like 25 or 27 points in the fourth quarter, that ain't going to happen, you know. But he can still be a great facilitator and set the table up for other players. And then when he needs to get his, he gets his. Now, some people are not talking about, you know, in that second half, he only had two points in game two. Um, But I still think I would give the edge to Golden State, the, the chef factor. And I think that, um, I think the small ball can help them. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I still think Warriors in six. And yeah, like the, we know LeBron is going to get like between twenty and twenty-five, probably six and twelve rebounds, six and twelve, six and eight, six and twelve assists. Like we know LeBron is going to do what he needs to do because he's got that drive in him. He's been doing this his entire career. But yeah. If AD again, if AD shows up, the Lakers look night and day. Like we love Austin Reeves, you know, kind of that. I want to say feel good story, but just kind of, yeah, kind of. A lot of people are flocking to him as a fan favorite. You know, Rui Hachimura had some monster games in that opening series, but kind of is is he going to be reliant as a viable second slash third scoring option if LeBron is not, you know, is not being quote-unquote LeBron, knowing that Golden State's going to still shoot the three, Steph is still going to hit a crazy shot. We know Clay, when he's on, 
he can be just. Are those bad. really? Are those really crazy shots, though? He's for made the, him. For he's the normal average human. Well, yeah, yeah, but but this is the pros. He's not the normal average person. He's been in, in like I said, crazy shots. But he's been hitting these shots for the last ten plus years. So I don't know if you yeah. would really call those crazy shots. That's just in his repertoire. Yeah, I mean, for the normal human, it's crazy. For yeah, for Sapsis, you know, for mm. my practice. But yeah, like I, I think, uh, along with the small ball, I think kind of Jordan Poole really stepping up and being that third piece, knowing that you know Draymond's going to get in everyone's head, knowing that like they're more equipped to kind of play that that small, quick style. And the Lakers really can't, I don't want to say keep up with it, but, I mean, we saw game two. I, the, the score was not indicative of how far these two teams were mm. in game two. And, yeah, if Jordan Poole hits that crazy shot, for him crazy shot, um, um, yeah, this is a whole different story. If the Warriors are up 2-0, I wouldn't have been surprised if this was, at best, Warriors in five. Mm-hmm. Like Lakers got that one late, um, so made made a little bit of a series, but yeah, I think this is definitely Golden State's to lose. Yes, you're right, but I do think that I, I was thinking more like six though, Golden State and six, uh, especially since they're not the best of a best of road teams. So, yeah, and that like that's still surprising me, just night and day, kind of. Like, it's almost like kind of a college basketball team where you're great at home, but then when you travel on the road, and just, like, like, I don't know whether it's just the shot's not hitting or you just kind of can't find that same rhythm. Obviously, we know about home court advantages, but just this season in particular, it just seems like they're the Golden State Warriors dynasty at home, and then on the road, they're looking like those, you know, Golden State teams that no one really thought or cared about or really paid attention to, like in the mid two thousands, like in yeah. Well, the, the we believe team was in the mid two thousands, and maybe you're talking about the late nineties teams, especially when Latrell Sprewell choked PJ Carlissimo. I know you're not talking about the run TMC days or back in seventy five with Rick Barry when they won the championship. Um, but the, like I said, this the, the, this Warriors team has been fun to watch. I do think. Uh, um, this could be the last run as we see it for the Warriors. There's going to be some changes made, I believe. Um, so they probably know what it is. Yeah, and, and I think kind of, you know, not projecting too much ahead, but I think Golden State and Denver would be kind of a clash of styles. You have, you know, the hot shooting versus just kind of the Mr. Can Do Everything out of Denver, yeah. So that that's going to be a fun. I mean, it's going to be a fun conference finals, regardless. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I think Denver would be comp- is going to be competitive with either team. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we we know LeBron's not going to go out quietly, and I wouldn't be surprised in this series if LeBron has one of those, you know, vintage throwback games where everything's just clicking and everything's hitting, and you know, he he reminds the world that hey. I'm still at the table, at, you know, with greatest of all time. But, yeah, he needs help. He needs help. Who? Oh, uh, LeBron. Mm, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, now I will I, I will ask you this before we leave this segment. I I had practice, you know, as you know, I'm an AAU coach, and I asked the players, you know, who's your goat? You know, we were watching some videos, and I said, who is it? LeBron. Only one kid raised. I was actually surprised. Only one kid raised their hand. And then the other kid said Jordan, which I was like, okay, cool, cool. And then another kid, I think there was there's nine kids in the room. Seven said Jordan. No, there was eight. Sorry, eight. Six said Jordan. One said LeBron. And one said KD. And I thought to myself, okay, my bad. I said, but what about Steph? And people paused because, you know, a lot of times I, I asked him, like, why is LeBron your goat? And he, he rattled off all this stuff. And I said, well, and then, and then people talked about Jordan. They rattled off his stuff. I mean, the same arguments, the championships, you know, or LeBron's the all-time leading scorer, or this and that, or he's won championships with three different teams. And I said, well, why not put in Steph? I mean, Steph has four championships, four out of five times he's won it. Probably, he probably, to be honest with you, their best team was the team in 2016 that lost to the Cavs because they were 73-9. and nine. They've got the best all-time record. Kind of crazy if they would have won that. Um, actually, excuse me, I'm sorry, he's four out of six. That's right, he lost to the Raptors, um, yeah. which Durant got hurt and so did Clay. That's an, another issue. Technically, I think they did. They blew the 2016 one. I think the 2019 one was, I think, a failure to basically um, injury. And I said, well, why not Steph? And they were just like, well, he's a top point guard, which I don't really consider him a point guard. I think more he's more of a combo guard. But if you really think about it, and I thought about this, why isn't Steph really in these conversations considering he kind of revolutionized the game? I mean, before Steph came, and you talk about his crazy shots. Those shots were getting you benched. And he revolutionized. The revolution was television, was televised in front of our face. With Steph now shooting, everybody wants to shoot. It was kind of like the Jordan effect. Everybody wanted to dunk like Jordan. But obviously, you got to have certain physical features and gifts to be like Jordan. But everyone realized, okay, I can actually shoot if I really work hard at this. And the game has totally changed. It went from inside-outside to outside-inside. The dude has four championships. He could possibly get a fifth. Um, you're thinking, should Steph be in the, the GOAT conversation with LeBron and Jordan? Especially, let's say he does win a fifth championship this year. He's got to be in that combo. Yeah, if, um, yeah, if Steph wins a fifth, he's at the table. Like, he's sitting, I would I don't know, like, how the table is constructed, but he's sitting close to Jordan. Like, he, yeah, and I think he's already at that table because of the way, like you said, the way he revolutionized three-point shooting, kind of the long-distance range. Like, just think about how many players now shoot those long-distance threes because of Steph, like, watching Steph Curry and doing like, hey. Oh, I know. Like, let's extend the range. Oh, I know. Like, there, there is no Trey Young without Steph Curry. Right there, like that's the first name that comes to mind. But yeah, just kind of the way that his ability, his scoring up, like yeah, making the three point relevant in a game to where, like you said, for the longest time it was got big around, build around the bigs. You know, yes, you can have bigs that shoot threes, but even that's more you know in the Steph era of hey, if you can shoot the three, we want you. Um. 
I can understand kind of like KD being kind of slim for his size and kind of not really kind of him really embodying positionless basketball because you can put KD, you know, two through five and kind of just kind of that slim build but slim and athletic and versatile in a way that was different than eras before. But yeah, I think he's definitely at that table for because like, can we imagine an NBA without the amount of three-point shooting that not only Steph does, but so many teams do, to where there are, like, even thinking about the Miami Heat, if they're not, if they, they have pretty much four or five guys that are strictly there to be perimeter shooters, like, this is really, like, Steph's era is the live and die by the three kind of magnified by... 30. Yeah, people people have truly much changed their offenses. They, they, they've they've drafted differently. They he's really changed the re, revitalized the game and changed it. And it's kind of sad that they don't really. They always talk about LeBron, 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 and you know Steph is right there too. Um, like I said, I'm not taking anything away from LeBron, and I'm not saying right now that Steph is the the greatest. But it kind of made me start thinking that he, if if he gets a fifth championship and the things that he's accomplished so far. I, I really think that you got to have to start considering him with the run that they had. And and some people say, well, and, and the, the, if they win, I think it's also a dynasty. I mean, think about it. He'd had five championships in eight seasons. From 2015 to 2023, they've gotten five championships. He could have had seven. Yeah. That's the crazy part. I think 2016, like I said, they were up 3-1. And the Cavs just kind of wanted it a little more. Um, it, it it is kind of crazy what, what 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 can happen here, but that's what I was thinking. Moving on, last segment here before we get out of this segment or last topic: three of the last four NBA championship coaches have been fired as Boonholzer got fired. Your thoughts? I don't understand this kind of. Firing a coach just because of a first round playoff exit? Like, yes, I understand. Mm, um, it's more. Like, than I understand that. kind of why. Uh, obviously, there's a bigger picture, but yeah, I just I don't understand firing a coach so quickly. You know, because expectations weren't met. Do they really fire like, him unexpectedly? Because think about it during the championship run. If Kevin Durant, right? If Kevin Durant doesn't wear the, the certain size shoe he wears, the Bucks get eliminated. So he was. They were talking about firing him. Then I think winning the championship bought him time. Uh, but it, it is a little bit sad that he gets fired. Nick Nurse fired, and Frank Vogel fired. Obviously, Steve Kerr not getting fired. Um, but I think the blunders that he had in the first round were what I think costed him. And, and and he had blunders in Atlanta, too. You know, this isn't the first time that people have talked about some of his playoff um, management, in-game management, which some people think hurt the Hawks for possibly competing for a championship. So I think the—plus it was a new management group as well. So, yeah, you know, if the, the people that didn't hire you are now working there— the scrutiny's a little bit higher on you if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. 
Um, and I, I and we don't know what else is going on in the building as well. But I, I do think that Budenholzer, I thought they'd give him, we mentioned that here on the show last week, that I thought they'd give him one more year. But it, it, it's not fair, possibly, but sports isn't fair to fire him. Giannis said it wasn't a failure, but obviously the management thought it was a failure because they fired Budenholzer. I will say this, though, about the three coaches getting fired. I think Nick Nurse, I, I, I hesitate on him and his coaching. I think he got very lucky that he had Kawhi Leonard, a healthy Kawhi Leonard, by the way, to win that championship. I think that easily could have been Dwayne Casey. If Dwayne Casey was there, I think they win the championship. I just think that he kind of lucked out, got the championship there. And I think don't think he's a bad coach, but do I think he's on that Phil Jackson, Red Arbeck level? No. And, and you could tell, I think that is the talent lesson to me. I just don't think that um, he really utilized the talent as much. And, you know, I, I think that's a fair opinion about, about his coaching. So with him getting fired, okay, I think that really you were at the right place in the right time, which then once again goes back to my theory that shows you sometimes it's not always about the coaching, it's about who you have on the floor, and that was Kawhi Leonard. You know, do you think Nick Nurse the year before when Dwayne Casey was there was going to win the championship without Kawhi Leonard? Probably not. Frank Vogel, I guess it was a bubble year. I think Frank Vogel gets a bad rap, too. He did a really good job with the Pacers when he was there coaching. He did a pretty decent job with Orlando. Um, the L.A. fiasco, that's what it was, a fiasco. I think he's an excellent coach, to be quite honest with you. Um, but I do think, though, sometimes, as I've learned with coaching, it's it's relationships, and I just don't think he, he had the relationships as rock solid with LeBron, and I think that started to kind of tear away with that. But but as far as X's and O's and execution and in-game management, I think Frank Vogel was probably one of the better coaches in the league. But I, I but I think with when managing egos and players, um, he, he's subpar, and that's something that you got to do as a coach. Yeah, I I would agree. Kind of just in terms of surprises, I'm. I'm surprised Nick Nurse kind of wasn't, you know, like made it this far because yeah, he's he's definitely riding off of that, you know, Kawhi Leonard NBA Finals kind of Toronto year that you know the team that Dwayne Casey built, and he was just like, oh, I'll take this, and now you know I'm forever an NBA kind of champion. I mean, yeah, forever he's a champion. He's a champ. He, he can put on his resume NBA head coach, NBA champion head coach. Yeah. But yeah, Frank Vogel has been around in this league too long. I think he's got the respect of a lot of um, teams, a lot of players. Yeah, and just kind of LA is just by itself just a crazy situation, just because. But the team was bad too. The team was bad. I mean, I, I think he did what he could, but the team just the construction. It, it, it now the team is in a decent spot now. I give Polinka credit. Midseason trades, midseason reform has helped this team now where it fits. I think. After the championship, it was nothing but a bunch of hodgepodgeness that stuff just didn't fit. Right. It it didn't, you know, the Russell Westbrook thing was a disaster. And and you felt, you feel bad for Frank because he's over there trying to coach what he has, but it just doesn't doesn't work. It just just didn't work. But at the end of the day, usually what happens is, is that the coach is the fall guy. 
Yeah, and between those three, I think Frank Vogel will probably would would probably get a head coaching job first. Yes. Then yes. probably Boonholzer and then Nick Nurse. Yes, Boonholzer will probably use his Spurs coaching tree to probably get a new job. Hey, he might take over for the Spurs. Who knows? You know, Pop might get tired of it. Um, but yeah, you just want to get that in. So a good 50 minutes of NBA talk. Coming up next, David, we're going to talk a little bit of football. Yeah, and kind of looking at some of the hometown slash local teams, kind of lines excluded, because I know Frank probably wants to rant about that for a good half of a show. So. No, no, just talk about the Lions. He's not, he's not here. He you know, baseball was a little bit more important, so just just go over the Bears, Lions, and Steelers, and we'll go from there. All right, sounds good. All right, well, you're listening to 88.3 WGTs After Further Review. Listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, WGTs After Further Review with a picture of Frank Bashner and the horse's head. Coming up next, NFL Draft recap for the, the three teams that we like, Bears, Lions, Steelers, oh my, with David the Man and God Harris after this. 